At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about playoff hockey and the NHL semifinals. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat reporters. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, David Shane. Dave, how's it hanging, man? Good. Two straight games of uh, hearing O Canada. So... Ian Adam Hill, we're on we're on high with this. This is this is awesome. Like we've waited how long? Finally get to hear two anthems at the uh at the hockey game. So this is great. It has been a very, very long time since we had a two anthem hockey game at T Mobile Arena, let alone any hockey game basically uh this entire season. But that is what's happening. Uh, Right now, including tonight, Wednesday night, as we're recording this, because the Golden Knights are playing the Montreal Canadiens for the right to go to their second Stanley Cup final in four years. We just got home from game two of the series. We're going to break down everything that we've seen so far, go over some trends that we've seen, not just in these two games with the Golden Knights, but dating back this entire uh, postseason it should be a really good show before we get started i do want to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by one hour air conditioning and heating we are also presented by blue wire also if you guys could please check out our written work at reviewjournal.com that would be much appreciated we have so much coming off of this game tonight including dave's game story uh, a column by our colleague ed graney a look at the montreal side of things from um, our colleague Adam Hill, and I will have uh, something up in the morning about a key absence for the Golden Knights in tonight's game, too, that we will get to a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and, of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, due to this one, it would be very much appreciated. All right, as I said, we are 120 minutes into this NHL semifinal between the Golden Knights and Montreal Canadiens. It is all tied up. It is 1-1 heading back to Montreal. The Knights will fly there tomorrow for their first trip to Canada since uh, last year's NHL postseason bubble. Dave, uh, you know, from these first two games that we've seen so far between these two teams, uh, what are kind of your overall impressions of uh, how this series is shaping up? Well, I think everybody after the first game thought it was going to be a breeze, kind of maybe similar to how people thought the Avalanche. Uh, it was going to be a breeze after they won 7-1, kind of putting on my Rodney Dangerfield uh, pizza board, we get no respect uh, cap here. But I think what the Canadians showed tonight in Game 2 is that when they get a lead, if the Knights are chasing a game and they are behind, that Montreal makes it very difficult to come back on. They're very content to chip pucks out of the zone. Um, you know, if there's an opening and they feel like maybe they can go get a chance to go after it, but they had 
11 shots on goal in the last two periods uh, while nursing that 3-0 lead. So the styles of play and, and everything like that, I think, have, have come out in the two games. And we'll just have to see, you know, who's able to kind of establish themselves more uh, as the series shifts and as it goes along. Yeah, it's been a very weird series in that the first two games are almost exactly identical in terms of the Canadians came out extremely well in both. Now in game one, the Knights actually still got a one nothing lead from a goal by defenseman Shea Theodore, but they were on their heels for much of the first period. And then they ended up taking more of a commanding lead in the second and third period as they kind of ended up uh, you know, turning the tables on Montreal and getting to their game. Uh, tonight, the Canadians actually took advantage of their hot start this time. They got a 2-0 lead in the first period. Uh, they scored a third goal in the second period when the Knights were kind of pushing back. And then the Knights continued to push back in the third period. They made it 3-2 but couldn't score a goal with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury pulled to tie the game. So that is why the series is tied 1-1. And obviously a big talking point after the game tonight was the fact that the Knights started poorly for the second game in a row because it has been a little bit of a trend so far this postseason. The Knights have scored the first goal in just five of their 15 playoff games. Um, as I said, they fell down 3 nothing tonight. Uh, they are 5-5 five and five in the postseason when their opponent scores first, so that's actually a really good record in terms of you know being able to come back half the time when your opponent gets the first goal, uh, they were nine and eleven in the regular seasons. They weren't that bad there too, uh, but you have to imagine, Dave, that they kind of keep up this pattern, especially against uh, Montreal, which has been a very good defensive team all year. In part because they also have uh, a very good goalie in Carey Price. Uh, if the Knights keep this up, it's it's not a recipe for success against this kind of opponent. No, it's playing right into their hands. <laughs> I think we saw. Two different teams in the sense of Montreal, one that has to try to play from behind and is ill-equipped to do so. In that first game, you know, once once the Knights got a little bit of a lead, other than the power play chance that the Canadians converted on, to make it 2-1, they offered really little threat. There is not an, a dynamic offensive force that they have up front, nobody similar to McKinnon, a Rantanen, a Kaprizov. Not, there's nothing like that in their lineup. So if they get into a hole, they're not a team that that's really built, you know, to score a bunch of goals and come back. They need to play with the lead and and frustrate teams, and that's what they did tonight. So in that sense, it's it's yeah, it's not the recipe the Knights want. They need to play from ahead. They need to get the Canadians out of their game. Um, I mean, obviously, that's going to be the chess match in the battle. And and we talked about it a lot, you know, in the Minnesota series about the first goal and how important it was and sort of the weight that comes off the Golden Knights' shoulders when they get an early lead and they don't have to start thinking about putting a bunch of rubber on a goalie and not seeing anything go past him. It, that, that sort of happened tonight. And they just started too late. You know, they, they showed up too late for the most part. Uh, if, if it continues on, if they're fortunate enough to get it turned around and maybe get past this series, you look at the two teams that are going to be waiting for them. 
that's that's an absolute you know recipe for disaster against those two teams to continue to get in a hole and try to fight your way back. You, you just you can't do that and win a Stanley Cup. That's that's not the way that it's done. Simply put. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, one thing you brought up there was kind of the Minnesota comparison, which has been uh, a frequent point that the Knights have brought up even since we last recorded, and we really kind of you know have been able to ask the team about this series. I mean, they have brought up the Wild almost you know every chance they get. I believe General Manager Kelly McCrimmon brought up that. The Canadians are similar to the wild coach. Pete DeBoer has said it. Multiple players have said it. And, you know, you get why in terms of they are kind of deep, you know, one through four in their forward lines, like the Minnesota Wild. The Canadians are relatively deep on the blue line, one through six as well. And they're big on the blue line, like the Wild, whereas the Avalanche, who the Knights just got done playing, are probably more talented on the blue line than uh, the Wild or the Canadians, or frankly, potentially even the Knights, but they're smaller, they're more skilled, they're not as physical as the guys that the Canadians have back there. And, you know, the Canadians obviously have a higher pedigree goalie in uh, Carey Price, but Cam Talbot was very good this year, so both teams have quality goaltending as well. Uh, Now that you've seen Montreal in person, Dave, do you think those kind of comparisons to the Minnesota Wild are accurate and you know, does that affect your read and how this series might shake out? Because obviously uh, the Minnesota Wilds showed that they could play a style of game that could give the Knights trouble. Yeah, it's close. I mean, it's, you know, it's Coke and Pepsi. It's, you know, I mean, it's not far off. I think, I think, like you said, there's some subtle differences. I think they're built differently. I think mostly what it's about is just the style of play that they're going to be, conservative they're going to come at you really 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 hard you know on the forecheck and and a lot of speed and pressure uh and try to get the lead and then they're going to get really conservative and they're going to pack it in and and sit back and like i said just chip pucks out and milk you know milk the clock and, and try to try to nurse a lead i think minnesota you know was a little bit more offensive minded even with a lead where where Montreal, especially tonight, was just, I mean, that was a red state. That was just ultra conservative uh, from them, especially once they got, you know, 2 nothing. Then, And then when Byron scored the third, really, I mean, you could just, I mean, it, it put the Knights in such a, that to me was the backbreaker, was the third goal. Because, you know, as it played out, obviously, and, you know, butterfly effect, but, you know, if, if, that goes out and Alex Petrangelo scores twice and you're 2-2. I mean, now you're running into overtime and it's a coin flip. But for them to have to come three goals back in, you know, a period in a little bit plus, that was just a too too big of an ask. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good point that you brought up too. Where, you know, Montreal just doesn't have the same offensive pop that the Wild do at their peak because they don't have it anyone quite as talented as Kirill Kaprizov or uh, even probably Kevin Fiala. Now, the Knights did a really good job of limiting both those guys in that postseason series, but Montreal just doesn't have that kind of game-breaking type forward. They have to win kind of with depth, and we saw that tonight where they got a goal from their fourth line, which was huge, and they can, you know, kind of uh, score from all over. 
Uh, but I want to talk about another really interesting aspect of this series because the Knights uh, lost one of their key forwards, which kind of made things a little bit more even in terms of the five-on-five matchups in this game. Uh, center Chandler Stevenson didn't skate in game two with an upper body injury. He is considered day-to-day, so we'll have to see whether he makes the trip to Montreal. Uh, but this has continued a weird trend for the Canadians in the playoffs. Uh, basically, they seem to have some sort of hex or curse that they can put on uh, you know, opposing team centers. So in the first round, um, their, one of their forwards, Corey Perry, uh, kind of unintentionally uh, injures uh, t- Toronto center John Tavares, knocks him out in game one for the rest of the series. Then in round two, uh, Winnipeg's top-line center, Mark Shifley, uh, essentially takes himself out of the series by uh, putting uh, a late hit on a Montreal forward in game one when he is going for kind of the game-sealing empty net goal. Shifley is given a four-game suspension for charging, and because the Canadians end up sweeping the Winnipeg Jets, Shifley does not play the rest of the series And now in game two of this series, Montreal gets to face the Golden Knights without uh, their top line center. It's a very weird pattern. Uh, Obviously, you know, a lot of fortunate breaks, not fortunate in the case of uh, the injury that happened to Montreal in game one of their second round series. And certainly not fortunate that John Tavares got hurt and that as as he did, because that was very scary. But, you know, in terms of just like the matchups, these are all breaks for the Canadians, Dave. And it certainly seemed to, you know, affect the Knights at least a little bit tonight because, you know, they tried Nicholas Waugh for a period with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Wasn't great, so they swapped it out with uh, Keegan Colasar centering Stone and Pacioretty. And that is obviously just not the Knights' plan A in the playoffs. No, it's not in... I think it exposed a little bit of the lack of depth down the middle uh, that this team is sort of facing. And it brings up the issue of Tomas Nosek. And not to say that he's like a top, top six center, but just, you know, how close he is. And, and we saw him at the morning skate. And I, I had commented to somebody else, like, he looks really good. He, I mean, he was moving. There was a, there was a play that he scored and I even saw Steve Spot over there kind of nodding his head like, yeah, you know, he's 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 what you know, he's he's looking good. I, obviously he wasn't ready to go. I would think that if they knew that Chandler Stevenson was out and that if Nosik was cleared healthy, you know, and ready to go, that they would have had him in there. So it makes me think that he's just not quite ready yet. But Again, I think it made them it made them easy to cover, I guess you could say, where the Canadians were able to put Philip Dano's line on the William Carlson line a lot, shut them down, and then the Knights just didn't really have an answer otherwise. You know, nobody else was really, you know, stepping up and taking the initiative, creating I thought Alex Tucker was so good. In game one, just didn't have the same effectiveness, you know, in game two. And it was just, you know, like you said, it was a little bit of a, you know, deja vu in the, in the, in terms of the game one where, you know, the defensemen had to do so much of the offense 
Alex Petrangelo again scoring both goals. And, you know, in that first game, it was three of the four. Uh, you know, Knights forwards right now are, are struggling to generate at, at five on five. It's, you know, I guess if you think about it in terms of the matchups and the Knights having that last change and still not being able to, you know, get away and find some some effective you know, effective matchups that they like other than, you know, maybe a little bit in game one. Well, that's a concern because they're going to go back to Montreal now. And depending on Stevenson's status, we heard that he was day-to-day after the game. And there was one comment, I think, from Mark Stone talking about Keegan Colasar and expecting him to, you know, play well, you know, the, the rest of the series. And kind of almost, if you read into it a little bit, almost like, hmm, Stevenson might not be around for a little bit. Um, which is really concerning because the way that the Knights played tonight and the way that the offense struggled without him, you you wonder going forward if if there's going to be enough goals there, you know, in that lineup to to get past a team like Montreal. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call eight five five One Hour for fifty dollars off your repair, or visit OneHourAir.com. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, the point you bring up about, you know, the series shifting back to Montreal is obviously really interesting because you mentioned the the Philip Deneau line. I mean, he is a excellent defensive forward, uh, you know, I guess Montreal doesn't list them as their top line anymore. They list them as their second line, but his line with Arturi Lekkonen and Brennan Gallagher is a very good shutdown line. So you'd have to imagine, you know, they got the Carlson line a lot tonight. You'd have to imagine that if Keegan Colasar kind of stays as the Knights, you know, kind of quote unquote top line center in between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, that maybe they continue to get that misfit line assignment and, you know, the Canadians feel comfortable uh, giving other lines that matchup because, you know, the speed that Stevenson brings and is kind of makes that line really hard to defend is no longer there. Uh, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting because um, certainly the Canadians have proven this entire postseason that they can, if they can control matchups and really get the defensive assignments they want at home, uh, they're pretty hard to score against. And you mentioned there too, Dave, that the Knights forwards have had a hard time already scoring on the Montreal Canadiens because this has been the blue line show for the Knights on offense. Uh, Five of their six goals so far this series have come from defensemen. 35 of their 61 shots on goal have come from defensemen. Um, For those who are curious, you know, how those numbers kind of compare to the regular season, uh, Knights defensemen only accounted for 36 of their 190 goals in the regular season and about uh, 597 of their 1,829 shots on goal during the regular season. So basically, you know, the blue line had a little bit more than a third of the team's goals, or not even a third, I should say a sixth of the team's goals in the regular season. 
They've got five out of six in this series. Uh, the blue line basically had about a third, a little less than a third of the team's total shots on goals in the regular season. The blue line has more than half their shots on goals in this series so far. Uh, obviously, it was fine in game one, Dave, because so many of the team's defensemen uh, stepped up. I believe it was, you know, the majority, five out of the six of them had points, and the one that didn't, Alex Petrangelo, was still really excellent with the seven shots on goal. And then tonight, Petrangelo is uh, excellent again with his first two-goal game of his playoff career. You know, but is that a formula that the Golden Knights can rely on for however long this series goes to be that heavily reliant on their defensemen to pitch in to the offense? Uh, probably not. At some point, guys like Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, uh, the misfit line are going to have to step up and carry the offense. Those are the guys making the big bucks. Those are the guys that, you know, did it during the regular season and did it during the first two rounds of the playoffs. I don't think you can get to the Stanley Cup final without your best players being your best players as much as you need depth scoring and somebody has to, you know, step up unexpected, whether it's, you know, somebody like a Yanmark in the first round in the game seven, well, you, you still need your best players to, to be driving the bus as the, as the coaches like to say. So it's, it's not something that you, I think, want to rely on in terms of the defenseman supplying the offense that way. But what I will say is that I think the way that the Canadians play and their system and the way that they defend and those wingers are, are packing it in, it gives the defensemen and they're going to continue to have those opportunities because they're going to have room up there. It's, it's just the way that the Canadians play. They're going to give, you know, those point guys a little bit of room to operate while they pack it in and try to block shots, protect the house, you know, clear rebounds, box guys out and do all those sorts of things that, that teams that defend really hard do. So as much as, yeah, you don't want to rely on it and maybe it's a little bit of a one-off and, and it's a one-game thing. There's going to continue to be opportunities, and and in some sense, they're not gonna. You don't want them to carry the offense for the night, but they're gonna have to continue to step up and provide something. I like the best analogy I could think of is, you know, a guy standing at the three point line. You know, if they're gonna give you that shot at some point, you gotta knock it down. So if the Knights are defensemen are going to continue to have room to operate, whether it's because you know, the Canadians forecheck comes hard and it allows, you know, the Knights to transition and, and a fourth guy to jump into the rush or whether it means that they have room at the point to operate. Those defensemen are going to have to continue to contribute offensively. Yeah, and they certainly, as we mentioned, have been doing that so far. Uh, Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez and Nick Holden all scored in the Knights game. One victory, as I mentioned earlier, Alex Petrangelo had two goals in tonight's game two, he also, uh, you know, set up Martinez for what looked like it should have been a goal, and somehow Carey Price got over and made the save. Uh, Petrangelo also almost set up Mark Stone for a goal in the third period as well. He's been unbelievable uh, through two games. And then speaking of other guys that have been unbelievable, not just in this series, uh, but their entire careers, uh, we'll talk about Carey Price and Mark andre Fleury briefly here. 
they've both had incredible moments so far this series. I mentioned the save that Price made on Martinez today. He also made an incredible save on Mark Stone last game. And overall tonight was really good to help the Canadians withstand the push by the Golden Knights as they were looking to tie the game. And then in game one, I thought Marc-Andre Fleury was just as good where, you know, the Knights came out and just did not play well for about 20 minutes there. And he was excellent in keeping, you know, that game uh, scoreless for a long time and then helping the Knights maintain their one nothing lead once Shea Theodore was able to break the ice kind of uh, against the run of play, to use a uh, soccer term, because the Euro 2020s are going on, um, and help the Knights, you know, feel pretty good about their game heading into the first intermission in game one. Uh, these are obviously two, uh, you know, long tenured goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Uh, they're two, you know, pretty legendary Canadian goalies. And who knows, they could be a one two punch in the Olympics next year. So, so far, Dave, is this goalie battle in this series, which is, you know, very hyped. Very anticipated. Is it living up to your expectations so far? Well, to quote William Carlson, they bring a lot of show to the show. I think we've seen that so far. I think, you know, we haven't quite seen a, a one nothing, you know, like 38, 36 save, you know, just total goalie duel, pitcher's duel, whatever you want to call it, kind of, kind of do. We haven't seen one of those quite yet. I mean, I think the Knights have, you know, had chances. I think the risk that they run here is as it goes along a little bit that they start, you know, having Gary Price build some confidence, maybe start to get in their head a little bit with a couple of those saves. If the forwards aren't producing, you know, even just shot attempts and, and continue to struggle offensively, you know, that's sort of what happens in a series. But yeah, I mean, coming into this, I think we expected both goal, goaltenders to play well. I think, you you know, just to circle back, you know, what we were talking about with the Canadians earlier. I mean, I think clearly a lot of their system and what they're built on is because they know they have Carey Price back there, that they can pack it in, allow the other team to have possession of the puck a lot and, and lean on their goaltender to make saves. You know, not a lot of teams can do that. Not a lot of teams obviously have, you know, a Carey Price type. It's a huge advantage for... Montreal and you know we'll see how much of an effect it has continual you know as the, the series continues on you know Marc-Andre Fleury played pretty darn well like you said in that first period you know of game one held it you know one nothing and, and kept the Canadians off the scoreboard until the Knights could kind of grow into that find their legs I thought he was you know fine tonight I didn't think he was great you know Maybe you want him to do something different on that Byron play. He admitted himself that that he regretted going for that poke check that he had kind of had it in his head and committed too early to it. So, you know, maybe there's a mistake there that that you'd like him to to keep that at two nothing. Certainly not his fault. I mean it's a breakaway. Like, you know, Nick Holden kind of pinched and maybe you don't want him pinching there because King Colasar was, you know, clearly trailing Byron on the play and and struggling to get back on the back check. So maybe you read the play a little bit differently. If you're Nick Holden, you don't give up breakaway there, but yeah, I, I think the goaltending has been fun and it, it should be awesome to, to see, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury going back to Montreal for a playoff series, which he hasn't done since 
I think 2010 and sort of the excitement that'll be surrounding that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, as you mentioned, the sh- series now shifts to Canada. It'll obviously be the first time the Golden Knights will uh, be in Canada, as I mentioned earlier in the show, since the bubble last year. They haven't played a Canadian team in their own building since right before uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, basically really hit because they were coming off uh, a road trip where they went to Edmonton and Calgary, and then they were in Minnesota, and uh, then everything basically shut down. So, you know, it'll be weird. They're basically going to be kind of confined to their hotel room and the rink on the road for the next, you know, four or five days here. Um, they're going to be very limited fans in Montreal. I mean, compared to a full crowd in Las Vegas, the Canadians uh, last two home games, games three and four against the Winnipeg Jets, I believe they had 2,500 uh, fans there. So it'll just be a weird, uh, different atmosphere. Now, because of the, uh, of course, Canadian border restrictions right now, uh, Dave and I, who have been at every night's home game or night's playoff game, I should say, both home and away so far this postseason, uh, or Dave's been at every one. I've missed just one so far. Uh, we will not be there because we'd have to quarantine for 14 days to get into Canada. So we'll be watching on our TVs like everyone else. Uh, but it will be very intriguing uh to see uh how everything goes there i mean dave just what are your expectations for what's it going to kind of look and feel like as the series shifts to kind of a very different place than uh how it started uh you know in las vegas with a uh obviously raucous atmosphere at t-mobile arena yeah i'm sure they'll do a good job of a bell center of you know in-game production and creating a little bit of atmosphere but you know, I think it's what, like 3,500 or 4,500, which we saw about that same number in Minnesota. And they certainly made noise. They, they were certainly into it and, and had an effect on the game. You know, and then, you know, obviously the music's bumping and they got video stuff going and, and all that. So I think in terms of the atmosphere, you know, it, it won't be like T-Mobile. I mean, what is, but... You know, I think I think the Knights, it, it won't be a library. I don't think it'll be like going into, say, nothing against Arizona, but Arizona, you know, where it was real quiet and, and almost the noise you're waiting for is, is from the Golden Knights fans that had traveled down there. I don't think they have to worry about that. I think the, the folks that are going to be there in Montreal are going to make a lot of noise, going to be really into the game and excited. I think that all of a sudden they have some belief in the series where maybe – you know, it was wavering a little bit after game one and they go back home feeling good, you know, a, a place where, you know, they played well. And, you know, the Knights have had some success, you know, on the road as well. Obviously, they won a game five, you know, in Colorado. They won a couple games in Minnesota in the first round. So I don't think they're going to go in and intimidate or anything like that. I mean, Pete DeBoer sort of, you know, Hinted at this, you know, you try to go in there and, and get one game. You're looking for a split, and then you you come back and you figure it out from there. Yeah, the Knights are 500 so far this postseason on the road. So if they do that, they obviously regain home ice advantage in the series, and they can probably feel pretty confident about their chances from there. And uh, you know, as we've probably already mentioned a little bit tonight, they are now tied in this series, uh, but 
they've, you know, outplayed Montreal for probably four out of the six periods so far. So if they fix their first periods, all of a sudden things might end up looking a little bit different. Uh, we'll have to see what adjustments the Golden Knights make once they get to Montreal. Uh, but for now, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Big thank you to One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning for sponsoring this show. Thank you to Blue Wire for presenting us. As a reminder, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com, both off of tonight's game and off future games. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay Conditions and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com.